Hey friends, welcome to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Shannon Leibold, and I'm here with my co-host Lynn Martin, and we're so glad you've joined us. This is a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel and beyond. It's a space where we celebrate how God is turning brokenness into beauty. Each week, we chat with a guest and share stories from our own lives. As Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece, His work of art, and He's shaping us into something beautiful in Christ. Welcome to episode 27 of the Mosaic Podcast, meeting one another in story, in art, and in Christ. I'm your co-host, Lynn Martin. And I'm Shannon Leibold. And we're so humbled and excited to be with you again today. We are uh, about to embark on part three to us of the book, Find Your People. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it is to live in community. We have a special guest with us, Liz Gingrich, and we are going to love that conversation that we have with her. And of course, as always, we have our art piece and our teaching that we hope you'll also be blessed and challenged by. As we just kick off today, we want to just take a minute and tell you what we're thinking about for the summer because we're coming in to these beautiful warm days and we were praying a lot and thinking about what we want to do for our book and we think we've come up with a conclusion. We have decided we are going to read together the book called Fix Your Eyes by Amy Gannett and it is a a study or a discussion on how our study of God shapes our worship of him. I'm just going to read the part of the back of it to you so that um, you get an idea of what, what it has to say. So she says here in the back, we live in a polarized time. Christians are quick to conceive of themselves either as theologically minded or worship minded, either thinking Christians or feeling Christians. The results are damaging Theology without worship is muted, stifled, and cold, and worship without theology is ungrounded, unrooted, and uninformed. This is not the way it was meant to be. Mm. I love that. I love her basic premise that theology leads to worship, and that that ought to be true in our lives. It ought to be true, and I think that even the word theology can put people on edge and make mm-hmm. them feel like, well, that's just for the the scholars and the, um, you know, the deep thinkers. And that is just not the case. The Bible was written for all of us and um, it's meant for all of us to read. Yes. And theology at its core is just thoughts about God. Yeah. And we all have thoughts about God. Exactly. So we are going to read through this book and what we thought, you know, we're, we're in May here and we're, we, our plan is to take June, July and August. So it'll be six episodes. We're going to, we're going to slowly read through this book a little slower than we've read other books because we want First of all, to acknowledge that if you are reading along, that sometimes it's hard to keep up and and it's summertime and we know that it's hard. And also because we really want to just dwell on some of the thoughts that are going to come from this book. So we're excited about that. We're excited to go a little deeper with you there. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in reading along, uh, you can get yourself a copy of that. But for today, we are continuing on in Find Your People by Jenny Allen. So... Um, we talked about last time, Shannon, there are five 
different um, ideas that that Jenny presents to us as um, what she calls the path to connection. And the first two we talked about last time, that idea of uh, closeness, actual literal closeness, and, and then also being safe, that idea of uh, transparency and being open and transparent with each other. Today, we're going to look at the last three. And, and the first one is called... Uh, she calls it protected in chapter seven, and but also it's that goal of accountability. So going even deeper, um, so it's one thing to be transparent, but it's another thing to actually hold, call yourself out and be accountable to other people. So is there anything in this particular chapter, Shannon, that stood out to you? Yeah, she says at its core, accountability calls us to who we were meant to be through truth mixed with grace. And I just love that idea of, you know, as iron sharpens iron, we are to, to call one another um, up to the person that we were created to be using truth, using grace. Um, but it, it, it's a beautiful expression of community. It is so good. She, she actually goes so far as to say that when we are left alone and unbothered, we become the worst version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> convicting. Um, and it's true. And we, we tend to hate words like submission, accountability, correction. But um, we all need that mm -hmm. desperately. So she, she really, really calls us to that. And, and she acknowledges right off the bat, too, that the barrier to this is our own pride. So it takes knocking down that pride that just really always wants to, to keep us. And and idea of living account accountably. Mm -hmm. um, she says to choose friends who have the potential to make you better and then allow them to do just that. Right. So it means that they are going to speak into some of those areas of our life that need some softening. She uses uh, or, or calls on the phrase from Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And you know, it's true. I, I have joked about this uh, a fair bit. Um, living in my own family community with four kids and a, and a husband and all of whom are loving and wonderful, but they have rubbed off my rough edges long ago. <laughs> I, I would be a very different person if not for them. Um, mm -hmm. I am humbled. I am very aware that I make a lot of mistakes and they, they <laughs> illustrate those to me regularly. <laughs> they know how to point them out. Family has a way of doing that. Family has a way of doing that. And and so it's basically it's expanding that to beyond your your walls, right? And and again thinking about that idea of not having walls at all. Um giving permission to people to tell the truth to you. Mm -hmm. And that's that's raw. That's hard. It is. And not and not everyone uh, will have permission to speak into your life That's like this. That's a good this. point, yes. You know, as you're considering uh, this idea of accountability, you need to ask yourself, who in your life has wisdom to speak into it? Um, because not everybody will have this place in your life. So you want to you want to think about that, and then you want to give that person permission to tell you the truth. And she provides some questions to ask that are... are frankly quite scary mm -hmm. <laughs> but she says you can you can give permission f for that person to ask you what area do you see in my life that I need to grow in 
What practices do I need to embrace in order to grow and mature? And will you hold me accountable to this change? Well, and it's interesting, those questions, I agree, they kind of fill me with a little bit of fear. But they also recognize that these are people who need to be living with you mm-hmm. in order to be aware of, of where those areas might be in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, too, that I love that she says in here, that we actually need people around us who disagree with us. We need people to challenge our presuppositions, whatever they may be, to work through those things. And, and because... I know it's hard to believe, but I have wrong thinking. And <laughs> and Shannon, you have wrong thinking. We I all do. do. And so let's let's we need to come together and it's only through others that we, we can get That's right. Yeah. That she says don't surround yourself with mirrors. That's yeah. just not not how to do life with people. Yeah. And and she's so good. She she says our sin is worse than we imagine. We need to recognize that. But the grace of God is bigger and better than we can imagine. Amen. So those things need to go together. And and she acknowledges that this is terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. And mm-hmm. she gives some she gives some real life examples in her own life that I I applaud her and her ability to um, be so vulnerable mm-hmm. to to the world, whoever reads this book. But um, But if accountability is done right and with the right people, we will love Jesus more and our lives will show that love to be real. And that that is true. She says um, that as much as it's hard, we want this kind of accountability. That truth in love is the safest place to be, even if it stings a little. Mm -hmm. So that, um, and again, at the end of each chapter, she, she gives some ideas of finding that accountability, how, how to look for it, and, and we have alluded to that. But, but um, there's some good ideas in here. But the really big thing is you, you need to be vulnerable. You need to reach out and um, put yourself on the line, mm-hmm. essentially. So then we move on to... That shared purpose, looking for going deep in in community and doing it together. Um, Yeah, what do you think about this chapter, Shannon? Well, honestly, I thought about you, Lynn, because um, we have a, a shared mission, a shared purpose, even in hosting this podcast. And our friendship has deepened and blossomed because we do this thing together completely through it you're right yeah and yeah. so we have this this shared mission and we can we we've developed our friendship around that and it's beautiful it is beautiful and i'm so grateful for it and and it's so interesting and i think it really speaks to that idea of you can have people who are really really close and do things all together all the time but it's insulated and, and it becomes um, quite toxic and unhealthy because they're not looking out of themselves mm-hmm. into something bigger. Because mm-hmm. when we do that, we mistakenly think friendship is about us. Yeah. And and friendship has a bigger purpose. Our, our friendships, you know, sharing the love of Christ with one another is meant to be on display for the world. And, and we're meant to be on mission. And so we look for ways that we can pull our friends you know into a shared purpose a shared mission it's so good and she she addresses again that idea of um 
Oh, so much changed with the Industrial Revolution and, and people went off to their jobs and, and life became separate from one another and yeah. so much changed and and it's not the way it used to be. And, and so we need to recognize that, that this um, suburbanization of the Western world is, is not a way to build community. And so we need to kind of work within that because that is our reality, Mm -hmm. but we need to fight it a little bit. And um, really that's what she's saying in here, like pushing some of those boundaries and and looking for the community that God has for us. Mm -hmm. And that shared mission and purpose can happen in our workplace too. Yes. Right. Like we, we can use our work as that mission. I would say that's what happens at my work at foundation. We have a shared mission of discipling kids and we carry that out every day in our work together well and she there's a beautiful quote here that she shares it's actually um tim keller's quote but um that whole idea when we're doing something we're actually creating something Mm -hmm. and that's part of god's character so we are taking on part of that and so um Keller says, whenever we bring order out of chaos, whenever we draw out creative potential, whenever we elaborate and unfold creation beyond where it was when we found it, we're following God's pattern of creative cultural development. And so that's really what mm-hmm. this is about. And it is a beautiful thing. It's true. This podcast is is the fruit of that. Um, it's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. She has a conversation with a pastor friend and asks him why the church in the West has lost the sense of camaraderie and connectedness that characterizes his community in the Middle East. And he says, because the West is all about individualism, convenience, and being comfortable, but discipleship is inconvenient, uncomfortable, and very messy. It just makes you realize that we have things so upside down Mm -hmm. and and I think coming away from this book, I'm going to be changed. And also, um, I think in order for me to really deal with it in a healthy way, I have to recognize I can't do all of these things all at once. Mm-hmm. I need to pick some and I need to slowly work at it um, mm-hmm. because it is it is topsy-turvy. Mm-hmm. And pick the ideas that work with your life, right? As yeah. you're thinking about all these things, you know, pick some things that, that work with it your current schedule, your current um, life. Yeah. She says, God built a longing inside each of us to be about something other than our own individual success. And that is completely upside down to what we um, are told by Mm -hmm. everyone around us in the world. And so to think that differently takes time. And so Mm -hmm. we need to give ourselves some grace in here. So, um, Again, she's got some really lovely ideas in here. Um, and then we move on to the final final step, the final um, piece of the pie, I guess you could say. And that's consistency or being committed. Um, you can't do this just for a little while. Once you're in, you're in. This is about long-term um, long-term commitment to, and vulnerability to people. Mm-hmm. And and that means there's going to be conflict, and it means that friendships are going to struggle, but that that's healthy. Conflict is a part of those healthy mm-hmm. relationships. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm I'm one of those, you know, fight or flight. I'm the flight. I, I run away from conflict. But conflict is a barrier to consistency because it makes us just give up in mm-hmm. friendship. Yeah. She says we never... 
um, can have a truly intimate friendship free from conflict. If it's going to be intimate, it's going to have conflict. And I mean, look at those relationships in your lives that are you're closest with. I mean, my husband, that would be my closest human relationship. And we've had conflict. No. <laughs> I know. It's hard to believe. It, it, he's really easygoing, but we have still had conflict. <laughs> but conflict can be safe when you know you won't quit each other. And yeah. that's that's the beauty of marriage. Yeah. Um, because you know you won't quit each other. But it also can be a, be a beautiful thing in friendship, too, because then conflict becomes safe. Yeah. She gives the example of her uh, brother and sister-in-law who have a, I think it's like a farm, like a ranch or some kind. And so they're living in community all the time. And he says, um, you know, village life sounds great until you realize you're surrounded by a bunch of cannibals. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's like, oh, yeah, because it's true. This is, there's going to be rawness. We cannot... Uh, hide from that. It is going to be hard and um, people are going to be hurt and there's going to be pain. Mm -hmm. But in spite of, not even in spite of, because of it, that's what leads to the depth of relationship that we're talking about. Yeah. So she talks about how to have healthy conflict. And some of the things she mentions are assuming the best, like just, just assume the best about people. Don't assume the worst. Assume that they have good intentions and meant well, uh, by different things. And then she says, keep short accounts, Mm. um, with people and and tell people when something they've done or said has hurt you and then be quick to apologize when someone comes to you with something um hurtful and then always aim to be a peacemaker in every situation and and i mean those i mean they're really good but they're they're hard and of themselves it's hard to apologize especially when we feel like we're the ones that are hurt yeah and we don't want to acknowledge that maybe we did something as well and Yeah. yeah those are and and yet Oh, I say that to my family a lot. Like, if you would just actually say sorry, we could have moved on. You know? <laughs> like, that happens a lot in my household. Um, yeah. And and we're working through that. And so, so yeah. So, some really, really good thoughts here. And, you know, as, as we, we hold this tension here, as we talk about this, acknowledging that there are some relationships that are, are broken and hard, and they don't need to be... Um, Sometimes relationships do need to be walked away from, is yes. what I'm trying to say. There yeah. are relationships that... We're talking about healthy relationships here. We're yeah. talking about relationships that are going to go deep and, and be um, really valuable for everyone. Yeah. And and as she finishes this chapter on being committed and being consistent in friendship, she reminds us that it takes 200 hours together for an acquaintance to become a close friend. That is a lot of time clocked with a person. Yeah. And... And, and that's the definition of commitment to just be there and do life together over, over, you know, days and weeks and months and years. I, um, one of my best friends, uh, we've known each other since grade seven. Her name is Shanna and, and I actually married into her family. And so now we're family as well, but we have done life together. I don't have to explain to her about, you know, an event in my past or a person I know. She She just just, knows. She just knows. And so that's, that's the beauty of that kind of friendship that's, that's lasted through the years. Well, and she says here, Jenny says that she's convinced that a key reason for our loneliness is that we give up Mm -hmm. too easily. And, 
I, I acknowledge that, you know, and, and, you know, there's that balance because life moves on and situations move on and you can't hold on to every mm -hmm. single relationship as tightly as maybe you would like to, but, and, and, and there are hurts and there are all of those things, but it, it doesn't mean that we can't have community. We need, we need to build that. So we're going to finish up this book next time. It is so challenging and so good and I oh, I feel like I'm going to, like I think I've said this already, but I feel like I'm going to be changed by this book and I'm not comfortable with all of that change just yet, but it's a good thing. We are very excited today to have Liz Gingrich join us. Thank you for coming, Liz. And um, we're just really excited to hear a little bit of your story and, and what has brought you to where you are today. Um, and, and, you know, when we started to think about who we would ask to talk about community, you came to mind right away because I feel like you're the queen of community. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to gathering people together. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family and, and what you do. And we just love to hear some more about that. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Conestogo. So my home church was Woodside. Okay. Um, I attended Woodside. Uh, and then I was away for two years, Bible college, one year in Peterborough and one year in Texas. Oh. which was a pretty awesome year. Nice. <laughs> Yeehaw. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I came back home uh, being away for two years. I didn't feel connected um, at Woodside. Uh, I never was truly really connected there. Um, I was not a EDSS student. Um, oh, okay. I went to Waterloo. Okay. Uh, that makes a difference in a small town, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. you're not from the high school that you should go to, then you're not really <laughs> clicked. You're not in the my people group, you know. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, so, but I was, I had friends in high school. I went to the high school not knowing anybody. So being the kind of person I was, well, who I've been all my life is kind of more of an introvert, um, believe it or not. <laughs> um, uh, but I just had this kind of way of drawing the other people who are, were just like kind of special and unique in their own ways um, for whatever reasons. Uh, so I had this special crowd that was my people, um, and being kind of one that I did get teased and whatnot through my years, so I just kind of have that more sensitivity to maybe others that look like they're, they need somebody to come up to and, and just say a simple hello, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and Wallenstein, I did church hopping then after my two years of Bible college, and I landed in Wallenstein after a few other places, and it's where I've been at <laughs> ever since, which is ever probably since. quite a few years <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah, that was in 2002, 
that I came here. So 20 years. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was such a warm, welcoming place to walk into. It was the original building, not the addition that was put on. Right. Uh, So a very much smaller auditorium that was upstairs. And um, it was very obvious to everyone that there's this new person walking (laughs) through the doors. Right. And uh, just a very very, uh, warm welcome. by a lot of the the girls, and then I was introduced to them. You know, uh, Rhoda and Denise and Julie and all them, a variety of them that were my welcoming nice. <laughs> crew that came up to me, um, and then introduced me to some of the guys that were around in the same age uh, range and. Mike was in that crew. So enter, enter <laughs> you now, husband Mike. Yes, <laughs> Mike is my husband, Mike Gingrich. And um, yeah, we have two children, uh, teens, um, just about 16 on Sunday, and a 14 year old, wow. Austin and Haley. Um, and I am in the midst of a new career as of this week. So um, that will kind of run into one of the other questions is what my typical day looks like. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about your typical day? Um, so a typical day, I, I, used, I was a, a school bus driver for just about 16 years. So my typical day then looks very much different now. But um, what I used to do every day was get up, do my bus run, come home, have my morning coffee, you know, do a devotional, take the dog out for a walk, do whatever other kind of errands, cleaning, whatever outside stuff, um, then go do my afternoon bus run, then come home and start dinner and help with the kids and do evening things and yeah. <laughs> and now it's very different Chill. because now, now it's different started. now I work full time Monday to Friday 7 to 4 and I'm at work the whole time so uh very different that's a big yeah. adjustment yeah yeah <laughs> so some uh jobs have been put on to the kids and when they get home then they take the dog for a walk <laughs> that's perfect that's perfect yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well that's great Liz <laughs> Um, as you know, and you've already alluded to, we're talking about community in this uh, podcast episode, and we're reading a book called Find Your People by Jenny Allen, and she says in that book that we are the loneliest generation that has ever lived. What do you think about that statement? Um, well, I think technology has maybe something to do with it, because everybody is just so into their devices I mean devices can be a great way to communicate and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. shoot messages and be in contact with people that way but I think everybody just tends to get so into their whatever they're doing on their devices you're not having that actual like in-person connection like um with people you don't have 
Yeah. <laughs> it has an impact, doesn't it? It does. For sure. We, yeah, yeah. We, we agree. It feels like one of those double-edged swords almost, right? Like it's good yeah. and then it's not good. And then it's good and it's not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Because if you don't send those random text messages, I mean, I'm awful for that, too. I should do it more often. <laughs> um, just shoot a message to a friend, you know, just, just saying, saying hi, hi or something. How your day is going, you know? Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, you know, and whatever. But um, if you don't do that, then you're not really in connection with a person at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, Liz, I know you have... And a, a lot of friends, and I know you are a very good friend. I'm curious to know what kind of friend you would define yourself as. We we have this sort of list, and maybe you even have a different idea in mind, but um, this list of the wise friend, the fun friend, the planner friend, the encouraging friend. Do you see yourself as one of those? And I guess really we're asking you, what do you bring to friendships? Um... I'd like to think that I'm the encouraging friend, but uh, like I said, I don't shoot that many text messages or anything to actually connect with friends right. <laughs> on a regular basis. But I would um, have thought you would be the planner friend. You plan things, don't you? That's what everybody says. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't see yourself that way? Uh, well, I do like planning things. I definitely am a planner. I like to plan. Um, uh, you're a, for, I mean, I don't know you very well, but what I see of you is you're a gatherer. Like you love to gather people together in different um, activities. Yeah. 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 Like if it's something I know I will find fun, you know, yeah. then I will throw it out there to whoever. Um, it might be something that we need to actually book, you know, like if it's a boat ride or <laughs> right, um, right. just something. Um, yeah, but like if I need to know numbers, then like I will actually do uh, an event, um, you know, Facebook event or something just so I know I've got the, mm -hmm. the accounts, you know. Other times it's just random public places like, hey, we're going to go to the toboggan hill, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and spontaneous things Yeah, too. yeah, some spontaneous things and other things are definitely planned and yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's really great. It's really, really good. So yeah. you're a mom to teenagers and you're working full time is is friendship in this season of your life is it harder than you thought it would be or easier than you thought it would be um uh it's kind of hard to know what would what was would be harder like when kids are little then like you can connect with moms and their little ones and get the kids together and they play and then you're like you've got the relationships with those moms and whatever but then now that the kids are older then the kids are off doing this and off doing that and you're driving them here and driving them there and they've got their things they want to do and then like it's you're not together with with those moms all the time because then we just kind of just all split and right yeah do our own stuff and um it's not that same gathering 
as what was. It's very different. That's true. That's very true. true. Because yeah, yeah, when kids have schedules of your of their own and they're not quite driving yet, you have one that's almost there. But yeah, yeah, then it's it's hard because you're running them places and that takes Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. 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 So really there's elements to every season that makes it hard and, yeah. and other elements that make it easier too. Yeah. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, some of the things that you do to prioritize community, like you talked about planning things, um, and those friendships. Like I just, I feel like that question just sort of describes you because <laughs> I feel <laughs> like, you know, I did, yeah, I just admire your ability to bring people together. And I get the feeling it, it almost comes so naturally to you that you don't even think about it. <laughs> but it is a really, can I just tell you, it is a gift. Because it is. it is something that a lot of us struggle with quite a bit. So, um, yeah, well done. Uh, <laughs> thanks. But, yeah, there was a question in there. So what are some things that you do to prioritize community? I do try to get together with some people here and there. It might not always be the same people and I might actually kind of go on a limb and ask somebody new to mm-hmm. get together with and whatever and it might be a little uncomfortable because you're you don't have that closeness uh friendship with them quite yet, but it's fun to get to know some new people and see where friendships go and so it's so good that is so Uh, great yeah even if it's something simple like just asking if do you want to go for a walk you know Mm -hmm. like just something like what is your best advice for how people can find their people and develop deep authentic relationships um so i just went through a uh in the bible app on your phone i i it has plans that you can read and there's all categorizes um categories uh and i went under the women category and it's a plan called finding your sisterhood which was the most perfect one to read leading up to knowing that i'm gonna come do this yes because it all ties in so perfectly um, it's a five-day plan. I mean, you can do it all in one day. It's that short. But uh, um, I found it so interesting because it just kind of relates, like, to adulthood um, with finding your sisterhood, who your people are. That's exactly what it talks about. It was just perfect. It talked about, like, uh, well, I don't know how to sum up all the five days, but just, like, finding your people we're not meant to be alone god didn't make us to be alone yes Mm -hmm. and he meant us to be with with people companions friends you know that's why he made adam and eve so they have a companion friends Mm -hmm. you know right Mm -hmm. and uh yeah and just each day was just so interesting to like read and what it said and like we're not we're not meant to be perfect and um there's no perfect person out there but like to to have some friends um uh yeah i would say go read it i can't yeah no that's a great resource i'm gonna find it and link it in into the show notes because that does sound really interesting i love i love how you know different conversations 
from totally different places can come together and, mm-hmm. and create yeah. this like beautiful. I mean, I enjoyed reading it so much that I even told Haley about it. It okay. doesn't have to be just for adults, adult mm-hmm. friendships. It goes for all ages. So I told Haley and she went through them all and she's like, Mom, I'm so glad you told me about this. Aww. This was exactly just what I needed to read. You know? <laughs> like, oh, that's some, really beautiful. Just some school stuff that's going on with friends, you know, at school. Yeah. And mm-hmm. She doesn't have um, her people group um, through school. Her people group is church. Mm-hmm. You know? That's a hard age, you too, know? especially yeah. with girls. Yeah. 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 Girl drama. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Well, Liz, we've come to the question that is sort of what we've shaped the entire podcast on, this idea of um, a part of your life where you have felt broken, but God has turned it into something beautiful. Is there something you could share with us where that has happened for you? Yeah. Um, So the first thing that came to my mind was, well, you know, in 2020, some of the people in the church, I think, knows the struggle that our family went through with Mike, uh, my husband, Mike, uh, went through depression, and he was in the hospital. Uh, so he was in the hospital for a few weeks, and then he was home then and on medication and everything, and he pulled through, and he's good and everything. Um, but it was a year ago in 2021 that was last summer right yeah yeah (laughs) um it was a year to the time that he to the time that he went to the hospital and i was like it was right around supper you know that i had to make the 911 call and then it was right around the supper hour. I knew that this like time from a year ago is approaching. Mm. And uh, I was just, I felt fine the rest of the day up until about that point. Because I knew he's, he's fine. He's at work. He's working. You know, he'll be coming home soon. And then I need to make supper. Uh, but then it's like my body was starting to crash. Like kind of it was wanting to fold up and crash and I wasn't getting supper on the go or anything I was just like crashing like the sky was falling down on me (laughs) and just the thought of what I had to do a year ago um then he came home and I was outside on the patio he was inside and then like I went inside and I'm like, I gotta get supper going here, <laughs> you know? And he's like, you know what? Why don't we just throw the kayaks in the truck and let's go to the lake, <laughs> you know? And we'll go grab a, a picnic lunch. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Okay, let's go, you know? <laughs> and, and so we we packed up, went to the lake, and went some, did some kayaking. It was a beautiful summer day, sun, nice sunset, and grabbed some Subway, you know. 
and had a picnic there. I think we got better tarts too because <laughs> we went to Belleville Lake. Oh, Bellwood. Uh, Bellwood. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they have they the have good butter tart bakery there. Yes. If you're ever in that area, get butter tarts. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it was there at the lake that he's like, well. Uh, and we were just saying, like, just how such a nice evening it is. Like, you know, and he's like, yeah, well, you know where I was last year, right? <laughs> like, you yeah. Didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was just so, like, nice. Like, he just basically just spoke my love language, like, told me exactly what I needed to hear. Like, let's mm-hmm. just go enjoy the outdoors you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, that helped me through the rest of the evening yeah mm-hmm. it's true isn't it how um we don't even know how some things are impacting us and sometimes it takes a really long time before we realize just yeah. how much it has impacted and and yeah. then we have to journey through that and it sounds like you you did yeah. that yeah like Mm -hmm. satan was just kind of trying to attack me there and we won that battle (laughs) with the great outdoors yeah the kayaks and the sunset (laughs) (laughs) well it's amazing to mark an occasion like that you know one year because Mm -hmm. you can see how far god has brought you right what Mm -hmm. you've what you've been through and and how he's how he's brought you through that together and and you can celebrate where you are. You yeah. Know? So that's just beautiful. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Um, Liz, we like to end every uh, podcast episode with some rapid fire questions. So you can just uh, give kind of one word answers about some of your favorite things. And we've designed these questions around the idea of community. So um, what is your favorite activity to do with a friend? Um, probably a walk, because that's the simplest. Everybody can do a walk. Yes, yeah, that's great. Your favorite restaurant? Uh, pizza anywhere. Pizza, okay. (laughs) It's funny how hard this question is after, you know, two years of COVID where we haven't (laughs) Yeah, We're like, restaurant? There are restaurants? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Do you have a favorite game, like a card game or a board game? Um, probably outdoor yard games. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And last question, your favorite community event. Is there a, a community event that you really enjoy? Um, I have loved the Kaylee Irish folk dances. Okay. Oh. Where, where do you go for that? I've been to a few in Kitchener. They do them once a month. Okay. okay. Uh, so I've been to a few before COVID. Yeah. And they just started them back up again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's That fun. sounds yeah. really fun. Yeah, that, that's super that, fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've dragged some friends out to that, <laughs> too. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so good. Thank you so much, Liz, for joining us. Thank you for sharing. Um, we just, yeah, we really appreciate getting to know different people and different Yes, thank you very much. So today, instead of a specific art piece, 
I'm really excited to share with you something that probably many of you have seen, even if you don't know what it is. Um, this is an art form, a Japanese art form, that is called Kintsugi. And I will put a link up in the show notes for you. Um, Shannon, you're looking at it. Can you describe, here's one example of a piece of art that is in this Kintsugi method. What, can you just describe it, what it looks like? So it looks like the the ceramic bowl has been shattered and then put back together again uh, using um, metal, I guess, is to fuse it together. So you can so see the parts. It's not like they've like they're obvious. They're yeah, really the cracks are obvious. Right. So so in Japan um, and and elsewhere too. But this is a very very age old um, practice of fixing and and mending um, pieces of stoneware that have been broken and the the word kintsugi literally means golden repair so in true kintsugi it's actually gold that is in between the cracks that they've used to to put it back together um, so yeah the site that I am linking for you there's several options of or several examples of this and aren't they beautiful they are like, I actually want this somewhere in my house. I want a piece of this. I actually have a few pieces of pottery that I've broken, and I have often thought I would love to figure out how to do this. Yeah. Because um, it's just so beautiful. And and so, I mean, it's beautiful, but I, I this thinking behind it is even more beautiful because it's saying that that piece of broken pottery has value. And it, in fact... By putting it back together with gold, it ha now has more value than it did before. And isn't that what we're trying to say in this podcast, what we're trying to illustrate? Um, and especially today as we talked about, you know, being vulnerable when it comes to community and, and putting yourself out there. And it can be rough and there are rough edges, but God can make something beautiful out of it. Today for our teaching segment, we're going to talk about community in the body of Christ, in the church, what it what it looks like, how it should function, and the Bible speaks a lot to this. The Apostle Paul talks about believers being the body of Christ and uh, being a community of believers. In Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, it says, For as in one body... We have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So here he's talking about how each believer has been given a specific spiritual gift or gifts, and God has arranged these gifts in the local church to edify the church and to build it up. He goes on to say in Romans 12, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And there's a passage from 1 Corinthians 12 that um, teaches the same idea and this is a longer passage that I'm going to read but don't don't tune out because this is so important in teaching us how the body of Christ um, 
we're all different, but we all can come together and work together in a common shared mission. So 1 Corinthians 12, uh, starting in verse 14 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable, presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And when he talks about that, he's speaking about love, which the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, talks in great detail about. So as you can see, uh, we need each other in the body of Christ, just like you need every part of your physical body to be healthy and functioning. Um, in order to, to be a, a fully functioning person, we need each part of the body to contribute, to use their gifts to serve um, in the way that they're gifted. So we are the church and we are made to be dependent on one another. And that's a picture of true biblical community. And the text says if, if one part suffers, then we all suffer. You know, if, if someone in our church body is going through a difficult time, then, you know, we come alongside that person and we weep when they weep. And if one part rejoices, then we all rejoice. We celebrate uh, with each other because we are, we are part of the same body. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of community. On our next podcast episode, we are going to talk about the one another verses in scripture. Thanks for sharing that, Shannon. It's so interesting. As you were reading that passage in 1 Corinthians 12, I totally went back in my mind to the very first time I read that passage. I remember, I couldn't tell you like exactly where I was or anything, but I remember my reaction and my emotions that came from that passage. It was so, um, I think I was in, I would have been in high school age, and I remember thinking, it was this tangible, the Bible makes sense. And this is like actually applying to me. And, oh, I do have value here. And just because I'm not 
maybe a, a hand or where whatever I, my purpose is it doesn't mean it doesn't has to be the same as everyone else's yeah. so I appreciate that you read that and I appreciate um, just this journey as we talk about community and and how important we all are to one another mm-hmm. so thank you for sharing and we want to thank Liz Gingrich as well for joining us today we um, are I only have one session left, one podcast left to finish this book on community. And I I just really hope that it is really impacting others just like it's been impacting me. And I think you as well, Shane. Yes, for sure. So we're going to close in our prayer. Uh, and, and this is our prayer for all of us. And now to him who is able to keep us from falling and lift us from the dark valley of despair to the bright mountain of hope from the midnight of desperation to the daybreak of joy. To him be power and authority forever and ever. Thank you for listening to the Mosaic Podcast, a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel, where we meet one another in story, in art, and in Christ. You can subscribe by going on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast so that you will be notified when the next show drops. Also, please be sure to check out our show notes for more details and join in the conversation on either Facebook at mosaic.podcast.wbc or on Instagram at mosaic.podcast. We pray that you will be inspired and encouraged as you travel your own personal journey from brokenness to beauty.